Section 7 of Life of Sir Walter Raleigh by Louise Creighton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 4 Raleigh's First Schemes of Colonization, Part 2. Sir Walter Raleigh's first attempt at a colony had failed, but he did not on that account give up his plans. Some among the men who had shared in the expedition were fully convinced of the advantages which might be reaped from colonizing Virginia. One of these, Thomas Harriet, wrote a long letter to tell men the truth about this enterprise, seeing that it had been very injuriously slandered. He sums up the causes of the failure of the expedition and makes them consist in the characters of the men who had undertaken it. Some, he says, after gold and silver were not so soon found as was by them looked for, had little or no care of anything else but to pamper their bellies. Some had little understanding, less discretion, and more tongue than was needful or requisite. Others again, because there were not to be found any English cities, nor such fair houses, nor at their own wish any of their old accustomed dainty food, nor any soft beds of down or feathers. The country was to them miserable, and their reports thereof accordingly. Harriet goes on to enumerate all the varied and rich products of Virginia. Amongst these products was one which, once brought to England, rapidly gained favor. There is an herb which is sowed apart by itself and is called by the inhabitants Ipawak. The Spaniards generally call it tobacco. The leaves thereof being dried and brought into powder, they used to take the fume or smoke thereof, by sucking it through pipes made of clay into their stomach and head. We ourselves, during the time we were there, used to suck it after their manner, as also since our return, and have found many rare and wonderful experiments of the virtues thereof, of which the relation would require a volume by itself. The use of it by so many of late, men and women, of great calling, as else and some learned physicians also, is sufficient witness. Raleigh himself seems soon to have become fond of this new luxury. He used pipes of silver instead of pipes of clay. On one occasion it is said that a servant who was bringing him some ale was so terrified at seeing him smoking that he threw the ale over him and ran downstairs shouting that his master was on fire. We do not know whether Elizabeth ever tried the effects of tobacco herself, but she would sit by Raleigh whilst he smoked. One day she said to him that however clever he might be, he could not tell the weight of smoke from his pipe. When Raleigh affirmed that he could do so, the queen remained incredulous and made a bet against him. Raleigh showed his ingenuity by weighing first a pipeful of tobacco, then when he had smoked the pipe, he weighed the ashes that remained and demonstrated to Elizabeth that the difference between the two weights was the weight of the smoke. Elizabeth was convinced and paid the bet. But Raleigh believed that he could get more from Virginia than a new luxury. He had spent a great deal of money in these unsuccessful attempts, but the Spanish prizes brought home by Grenville more than compensated for the outlay. In 1587 he was ready to fit out a new expedition. He placed a certain Captain Charles White at the head of it and sent three ships with a 150 colonists on board, among whom were seventeen women and nine children. 
The presence of the women gave reason to hope that the colony might be more successful this time. For men who had their wives and children with them would be impressed with the need of settling down and making homes for themselves before they hunted for treasure. The expedition left Plymouth on the 8th of May, 1587. From the first, White seems to have been thoroughly in earnest about his task, but the men with whom he had to work were not always willing to obey and listen to him. His first object on reaching Virginia was to look for the fifteen colonists left there by Grenville on the island of Roanoke, but he found none of them, nor any sign that they had been there, saving only they found the bones of one of those fifteen. When they reached the spot where Lane had built his fort, they found the fort raised down, but all the houses standing unhurt, saving that they were overgrown with melons of diverse sorts and deer within them feeding on these melons. Then they gave up hope of ever seeing any of these fifteen men alive. White's intention had been to advance according to instructions given by Raleigh so far as Chesapeake Bay, rather further north, and settle down there, but a man named Ferdinando, who seems to have opposed White as much as possible in everything, and who had chief command of the vessels, refused to go any further with the colonists, and landed them all at Roanoke. So White gave orders that they should repair the houses already standing there and build some others. White was anxious to renew friendly relations with the natives, but they had been made suspicious by the behavior of the former colonists. At last, however, he succeeded in having a conference with some of them, who told him how the fifteen colonists left by Grenville had been surprised and killed. White thought it right to revenge the death of his fellow countrymen, and attacked and killed some of the natives, which did not tend to increase their friendly feelings to the white men. On the 18th of August, Eleanor Dare, White's daughter, and the wife of one of the colonists, gave birth to a daughter who, as she was the first Christian child born in the colony, was named Virginia. The ships which had brought the colonists over now began to make ready to return to England. White wished to stay behind, but the colonists earnestly besought him to return to England that he might obtain supplies for them. He at last yielded to their entreaties and set sail for England, which he reached on the 5th November. About this time, Raleigh's interest in his Virginian colony seems to have flagged a little. Possibly he had more important things to think about. His influence at court had increased, and he must have found court intrigues very engrossing. Besides, all England was then in expectation of a Spanish invasion, and men were busy with preparations to meet it. But White had the interest of the colony where he had left his daughter sincerely at heart. He was, as he says himself, sundry times chargeable and troublesome unto Raleigh for the supplies and reliefs of the planters in Virginia. All that White could at last obtain was that three vessels going out to gain wealth by piracy in the West Indies should take him with them to Virginia. But the ships refused to carry any supplies for the colonists, and took only White himself and his chest. He sailed from Plymouth on the 20th of March, 1590, and did not reach Virginia till the 17th August. Seeing a great fire near the shore, White writes, We sounded with a trumpet a call, and afterwards many familiar English tunes of songs, but there were no Englishmen there to be gladdened by the welcome sound. 
only savages who fled at our approach. When White reached the group of houses where he had left the colonists, he found everything in a state of desolation. But he found no sign of distress, such as they had promised to leave, should they be driven to extremities. At last he found carved on a tree from which the bark had been partially removed the word Croton in fair capital letters. This he took to mean that the planters had departed to Croton. He found five chests which had been carefully hidden, but had been discovered and plundered by the savages who had found the contents for the most part of little good to them. They had consequently left them, books, maps, and pictures, lying about torn and rotted with the rain. White would gladly have gone on to Croton to search for the colonists, but he could not persuade the captains of the ships who had brought him to Virginia to do so, and so had to return to England with them. Raleigh fitted out no more expeditions to Virginia. It is indeed wonderful that with only the means of a private gentleman he should have persevered so long and so formidable a task. Already in 1589 he had transferred the patent given him by the Queen to a company of merchants. They made no use of it, but in 1602 it passed to a more energetic company, who at last in 1606 began the real colonization of Virginia, for which Raleigh had paved the way. The new colonists heard that the people left by White had been miserably slaughtered. Some, however, had escaped and gone far inland, where they lived peaceably with the natives. It was reported that there were still seven English alive, four men, two boys, and one maid, but the new settlers never found them. End of section 7